comes from Isaiah, and Isaiah is actually one of the major prophets, means to say it's one of the large book of a prophet in the Jewish scriptures, that it actually has at least three sections, and we're in the first section of Isaiah. And in this section, uh, the nation of Israel is facing very dire circumstances. Uh, the Babylonian Empire is growing in strength, and in its threatening, menacing attitude towards Israel, it seems very soon that Israel will be conquered by Babylonian armies, and uh, not only will their cities be sacked, uh, people will be devastated, and their very religion might be, in fact, tried to take away from them. So it's a very stressful time, and, and the prophets Isaiah, prophet Isaiah here um, has given a warning, uh, has encouraged the people, though, to know that in spite of what they're going to go through, what they may go through, God has painted a picture of what could be. We find it in Isaiah, in this section, as Brian reads to you, listen to the comforting words of the prophet. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here's your God. He will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Brian. Join with me in a word of prayer. Gracious and loving God, we ask that you would open up our hearts as well as our ears, not only to listen to the words that I lift up, but that we hear your word in the midst of all of it, that not only we hear uh, with ears, but our hearts are open, however your spirit stirs in this room and in our lives. We offer this moment to you, we offer this worship to you, that we might be at your feet, transformed and blessed, to be sent out to serve. In the precious name of Christ our Lord. What is it that you want for Christmas? Have any of you said those words or had those words shared back to you in the last couple of weeks? Anybody heard those words? Yeah, that's a very common thing to say at this time of the year. Some of us, when we hear the question, we come up immediately with a list. Some of us have a list. Anytime you want to see my list, I'll show you my list of what I'd like. Some of us can't think of a single thing. I can't think of a thing that I need in my life at this point. Um, in fact, I probably need to get rid of a lot of things that I have, right? And I just heard recently in my own home, a conversation, a call was received into our home from a child that lives out of state, and I overheard the conversation, someone in my house, not me, who shall not be named right now, was talking with our daughter, and I heard her say, I'm just saying, I heard this person say, wait a minute. It's less than two weeks before Christmas. It's too late to tell me what the kids want now. We already sent the package. It's a stressful time. You want to get it right, and you want to find out what people want. And some people have this tradition, oh, I don't want to tell anybody. I just want you to know me well enough to give me the gift that you want to give me. Please, I don't want to know anybody that well right now. Just tell me your list. I got to go, okay? It's a very stressful time. It's only a week and a half away to Christmas. Did any of you know that, by the way? 
less than that. Thank you, Megan, for reminding me that it's less than that. I'm now super stressed. In fact, as we think about this time of year, it is a stressful time of year, and, and I was uh, thinking about stress levels this week, and, and I, came, I turned to an organization called the American Institute of Stress. How would you like to work for a company called the American? Some of you feel like you work for a company that should be named that I know. And they, they offer up this Holmes Ray Life Stress Inventory. Some of you may have heard of it. Anybody have heard of it? It's an inventory that I thought so. There's an inventory that you can take and it's, it assigns points to experiences that people have in life to the level of stress that it may create in your life, okay? So for example, it has on here, and, and you might not be surprised, the death of a spouse or your close significant other is 100 points. That's, a, that's, a, that's the major stressor that one would go through. That makes sense, right? Um, another thing, a death of a close family member, uh, 63 points. Just getting married is 50 points. Okay, I mean, I've been with some of you in your marriage preparations. I totally get that, okay? Some other things here, like a changing to a different line of work is 36 points. Uh, being a senior pastor of a mainline church today, 433 points. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Oh, that's my own notes. I'm sorry. Uh, forget that. Forget that. You know, changes in residence, 20 points and so on. And so you take this and you take a look at how many points you get based on how many of these experiences you're having in your life right now. And if you have 150 points or less, means you're, you're living pretty good. You don't have as much stress as so many other people doing well. If you have 150 to 300 points, it implies that you have about a 50% chance of major health breakdown in the next two years. Pay attention. And if you have 300 points or more, it raises the odds to about 80% that you're going to have a major health health breakdown within the next year or so. Pay attention, right? It reminds us of the fact that a lot of us carry stress. When I applied this inventory to Joseph, the father of Jesus, he was over 400 points. Stressful time. Stressful time for a lot of folks, including back in the day for the nation of Israel. We just read scripture uh, that spoke to their condition. They were living in highly stressful times. As I already told you, the fact that they really believed that imminently they were about to be overwhelmed by a far superior, more powerful army of a neighboring empire. They were going to have their country basically taken from them. They were going to lose everything that they knew, all the structures they trusted, including their own religion. Very scary time. And the prophets get a bad rap by most of us who don't really pay attention to the prophets. We just talk about them from what we hear other people say. The prophets were not doomed people. Nor were people, the prophets, the ones who said, oh, this is, and they could look into the future. What prophets did is they simply told people the truth of what was going on in the situation of life right then. They would describe what was happening, and they were clear to say that most of what we were doing that was messing up our life was because somehow or in some way we turned our back on life that God had wanted us to live. If we were living faithfully, how God had wanted us to live, so many of the problems that we have today, we would not be having I'm not sure they're wrong, you know what I'm saying? So they would simply describe it, and because oftentimes they were describing during a time when people were not doing what God wanted them to do, it came across as a message of doom. 
But they weren't trying to be doomed people. They were trying to say, hey, there's another way. If we turn back and do it the way God wants us to do it, we can experience what God wants to give us. And let me give you a picture of that, what they would say. And so in Isaiah here, he paints a picture of the kind of place that God would want the people to experience. Not stress, not fear, not concern that everything they knew was going to be taken away, but rather, listen to this. If you're living the way God wants you to live, here's what the future and our own present day could look like. That God would care enough to strengthen the weak hands of those around us who have weak hands. Think about people in your life whose situation has given them weak hands. Wouldn't it be wonderful if God could just give them strength? If God would make firm the feeble knees, God would say to those with fearful hearts, you don't need to be afraid, be strong. If God could come to folks and say, listen to me, I'm going to save you. The eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the speechless will sing for joy, for waters in the desert will break forth, and streams will go all through this barren land. This is the language that the Isaiah, prophet Isaiah was giving to the people. It's a picture of what could be. picture of hope. Walter Bergman talks about the fact that the prophets, fundamentally, were always about taking people from judgment and moving them to hope. For those of us who think, oh, they were just a bunch of scary dudes, they were people who wanted to give people pictures and opportunity to experience hope. And to do that, in the situation we find in Isaiah, the people had to learn to live in faith during a time we call the not yet time. The not yet time. The not yet time is when we have an expectation of something that could be that we're looking forward to have happen, but is not fully realized. We are living in the not yet time. Less than a week and a half, Megan reminds me. Not yet. But we are sort of leaning into Christmas already, right? I mean, we want to begin to experience some of Christmas now. We, we love listening to the music. We love seeing the lights. We love hearing the stories. We came Thursday night and sang carols and the ugliest attire I've ever seen people wear in my life at the ugly Christmas. But we wanted to be here to sing the songs of faith. There's a part of that we're leaning into already we want to experience, but not yet. It's not fully time yet. You have to learn to live in the not yet time. Israel discovered that living in the not yet time did not mean they could simply wait with nothing to happen. Rather, they began to discover that as they lived to look towards God in the not yet time, God began to appear. They began to discover that in new ways they could experience God that they never would have experienced had the not yet time come to them. They began to learn you could have a relationship with the living God when you were not dependent on past structures. God was not defined by past structures. That even in the midst of the dangerous parts of life, the experience of Christ, or excuse me, for the Israelites, of God, was to experience the fullness of the joy of faith, unabashed joy, perhaps, even in the wilderness. Not yet time is a rich, powerful time for God to do some of God's best work. Any of you living in the not yet time? That you can identify with a specific instance in your life? Let me think. Any of you not getting Christmas because you're yearning on this Christmas, not necessarily for that right package under the tree, but for the people you want to have around the tree, do you have a not yet waiting for that moment to occur? 
any of you have a not yet time with a, a family member that maybe it's not all smooth and easy and you wonder what it's going to be like when we get together Christmas or if we'll be able to get together Christmas? Any of you are living in not yet time because you've got someone you love who's going through a really hard time, whatever it might be, loss of job, loss of health, whatever it is. What's your not yet time? For so many of us, we think it's a time of despair and gloom and we just got to get through it. But that's never the way God intended not yet times to be lived. Not yet times are where we lean into the faith that we trust in, that we know God will give to us and will begin to give us in the here and now. Jesus Christ came into the world to preach the kingdom of God. To bring in the kingdom of God. That kingdom does not fully exist yet even today. But in parts it is. It's a not yet reality. There is certain theology in the world, and I'm not here to knock other people's theology, but I want you to understand what ours is. So there is certain theology out there that says, we are living in a not yet time, and the best we can do is look for the time when Christ comes again. So we hunker down, we stick close together, and we wait until that parousia, that end time when Jesus Christ comes back in glory. I'm just saying that's not how we see it. Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God, to point to it, but in doing so said the kingdom of God is breaking in here and now. You can begin to experience that fullness today. You don't have to wait. That's why, in addition to pointing to the kingdom of God, he would say to the disciples, here's how you're called to live. Practice now living in a kingdom which is not yet. And while you do that, not only are you preparing for the fullness of the kingdom, you're experiencing the richness. So, my dear friends, what would the kingdom of God look like? Do you think it looked like a place where everybody would have what they need to be able to live the life God wanted them to live? I think so. Is that true today? It is not. You just heard Megan say, how many of our people in this country, let alone the rest of the world, live on an edge and the stress that that brings? We cannot fix all of that. But what we can do is at this Christmas time help 37 families in the community. It's a not yet experience. It's living into the fullness. Here's what we can do here and now. Is it enough? Probably not. But can we do it all one day? reality is, here's the truth, isn't it true? reality is, in some form or fashion, every one of us could take on an additional family and help them at Christmas. That'd be 700 families that relate to this church, helping 700 families. We've got a ways to go. But 37 is the largest we've done. That's to celebrate. We're excited about that. It's a not yet moment. Not yet moment. Last week, how many of you were here for the kids' musical last Sunday? It was nuts. It was crazy. It was mayhem up here, and it was wonderful. It was a not yet moment. It was a not yet moment when we had children up here. Some of them were singing. Some of them were playing with their angels' wings. Some of them were sort of, they were doing a lot of things. But mostly what they were doing was representing to us how God can shine through the most innocent of acts, even the ones that are unscripted. And what they experienced was they were in a community that would applaud them and love them no matter what they did. <laughs> because they are children of God. And this is a place where they are safe and loved and revered. 
Not yet. Not every child has that. But we will give it to every child we can touch and reach for the sake of God. The not yet. Someone this week sent me a picture of the Clarkston News. And on it was a picture in the Clarkston News that talks about, you know, things in the community, the community section page, you know. And what they had done is they had cut it out and they had taken that page and they had circled. On that one page, there were like seven or eight things circled. All of those events, none of them sponsored by our church, were being held at Clarkston United Methodist Church. I mean, basically the page was saying you've got to come to Clarkston United Methodist Church. It is a not yet reality, but we want the church to be a place where the community knows they can come to, to be loved and respected, to have a place where they can help make the community better with us. It's not yet, but it's pretty darn good, and we celebrate it. But you can do that too. The people you have a not yet prayer for this Christmas, the ones who are sick, God, I wish I could heal the people who are sick by walking into the room and giving that magical prayer or saying that to potions or sprinkling the water. But sometimes just being present is enough. It's not all we want, but it's what we can do right now. For those who are right now suffering situations of life where it seems as if everything is collapsing upon them, we cannot always stop what's happening, but we can make sure they do not have to live it alone. That picture you have in your mind for Christmas, where you're hoping when everybody gets together, everybody gets along and really likes being with each other, you hope that happens, you're not sure? Why are you waiting? Begin now. Begin right now, today. To start praying so that when Christmas occurs and everyone gathers together, you have sealed yourself in grace and love so that you know that no matter what happens, no one is going to take your peace from you. No one is going to take your joy from you. And no one is going to be able to deny that you love them unconditionally. Begin now. Don't wait. Live in the not yet time. For the not yet time is the rich time when God does some of God's best work. It is in the not yet time when we discover that as we go through it, there are things that we are called to do, that we're privileged to do, where God can use us as blessings and bless us in the process. Living in the not yet time calls for us to realize we don't have to wait for all the pieces to fit together well to be able to experience the holiness of the season and the possibilities that lie therein. How many of you have ever flown into the Houston airport? The Houston airport was having a problem a number of years ago. The, the problem was they were getting massive complaints, and rightfully so, because the baggage handling situation was horrible. People were waiting for crazy amounts of time to get their luggage. And so they had a meeting to try to figure out how can we make this a healthier process. And they brought the best minds together and they did redesign the process and they got it down to the fact that most travelers, when they got the baggage claim, would have to wait eight minutes, which was far less than what they had been waiting for, for their luggage. But guess what? Eight minutes was too long to wait for the bags. People were still complaining. Man, we got to go. We got to get a car. Gotta, I, I can't wait eight minutes. People, were, people still were not happy. 
So I brought it back together, had another meeting, and said, what can we do? We have streamlined this situation as best as we can. I don't know how we can get the beds any closer. So they sat and talked and said, we'll come back next week. We've got to come up with a solution. They came back, and here's the solution they came up with. They examined their process, and they looked at the airport, and they said, here's what we will do. From the terminal, where you deplane, where you get off, they made it so it took you eight minutes longer to walk to the baggage claim. <laughs> True story. So now in Houston, you're walking eight minutes longer than you actually have to, but when you get to baggage claim, your bag's right there to get, and people were ecstatic. They were so happy about this. It fixed the problem. Nobody was complaining. Now you can say, I don't want to waste my time walking another eight minutes. Yeah. Choice is yours today. You get to choose whether between now and then, now and Christmas, now and healing, now and reconciliation, you can choose whether you're just going to walk through or whether you're going to be present to the moments of grace God is pouring around you and the possibilities that might happen in this not yet time. Use it well. Trust for the prophet said to the folks, this is the kind of thing God wants to do. And it can begin right now. Let it. To the glory of God.